A few weeks ago, WGN America's new TV show, Manhattan, closed out its first season, not with a literal bang, but with the promise of one to come. I'm Meg Rosenberg, and today on the podcast, we dive into the fact and fiction of this primetime TV drama and explore what makes for a successful collaboration between science, history, and the small screen. We're building an atomic bomb. It'll set off a chain reaction that will explode with the power of 20,000 tons. And then there will never be another war. A fictional story grounded in historical facts following the development of nuclear weapons during World War II. Manhattan brings nuclear physics to primetime TV, showcasing the human side of science at a formative moment in America's past. So what does the show get right and what does it miss? And what does that really mean? Science writer and former director of the Science and Entertainment Exchange, Jennifer Willette, kept up with the episodes as they aired in weekly posts on her Scientific American blog, Cocktail Party Physics. As far as the science goes, she says, the show producers really did their homework. They talked extensively with multiple technical consultants, and they really did try to be true to the science. And I think as far as depictions of that particular era go, um, it's certainly powerful. Most of the physics in the show has to do with the two competing designs for the atomic bomb, a rivalry at the heart of the first season's narrative arc. On the one side, the smooth-talking and well-coiffed Reed Akeley leads the Thin Man Project, while the competing bomb design, called the Implosion Model, is championed by the scruffy and taciturn Frank Winter. Both teams need to do one thing, bring together enough fissile material, uranium or plutonium, to create a self-sustaining chain of nuclear reactions. And they need to assemble this critical mass very carefully, with absolute control over the timing and geometry of the detonation. Thin Man, the preferred design going into the first episode, is a gun-type model. One bit of fissile material is fired into another, again, very carefully, to create a critical mass at a precise time. The implosion model works a bit differently, using a symmetric spherical shell of explosives to suddenly compress a subcritical plutonium ball into a state of criticality. Both designs are real, and both were developed at Los Alamos. A lot of the problems encountered by the design teams were drawn from history, too, like the seemingly impossible calculation that Akeley assigns the brilliant but naive Charlie Isaacs. Dr. Akeley asked me to calculate the exact velocity of every neutron in Thin Man. In order to predict how the chain reaction would proceed once begun, you need to know how likely it is that a passing neutron will initiate fission in the next plutonium atom down the line. And that probability distribution largely depends on how fast that neutron is going. But hold on, why have I never heard of Charlie Isaacs, Reed Akeley, or Frank Winter? Because they're not real people. With the larger plot points already known to viewers, I mean, we know that the bomb will be built eventually, show creator Sam Shaw saw a creative opportunity. So what he did was something very interesting. He basically was very true to the historical details and the setting, but all of the characters, with a couple of minor exceptions, are completely fictional. And that kind of kind of loosened up the storytelling so that he could be free to do what he wanted. So the Los Alamos of Manhattan exists in a sort of alternate universe where a core set of fictional characters who have their own backstories and aren't meant to simply recreate any historical counterparts live and work under conditions drawn from the real Manhattan Project. 
in all of this mixing of fact and fiction, how does nuclear physics fit in? They do not use science for the sake of science. They pick the bits of science that serve the storytelling, the character development, the themes, the thematic things they're trying to talk about. And sometimes it's very accurate. I mean, they were fascinated, for example, by, uh, you know, this one little account of that one time where, you know, in the, during the initial stages, they, uh, the, the scientists forgot to account for the weight of the fuel in the plane. Um, when they were trying to figure out weight of the bomb. And they worked that into an episode as a mistake that one of the scientists makes um, that kind of fills him with self-doubt. Um, Major, maybe you haven't accounted for the weight removed from the B-29 street gun post. You haven't accounted for fuel. The weight and balance specs don't include petrol. Gassed up the B-29 tips 26 tons heavier than when it rolls off the assembly line. Try to fly that thing, she'll wind up in the drink. I wasn't informed. That airplanes run on gas? So they kind of, you know, took this one little historical tidbit, put it into the mouth of the character and kind of amped up the emotional impact of it. Throughout this first season, the scientific problems encountered by the characters often serve as catalysts for emotional development, as well as opportunities to advance the plot. And in that respect, accuracy in both the science and the history really contributes to a solid narrative. But that's not to say that Manhattan doesn't exaggerate the drama on the Hill, as Heather McClenahan, executive director of the Los Alamos Historical Society, points out. One of her main objections? The portrayal of Manhattan Project director J. Robert Oppenheimer. They're really portraying him as a jerk, and as somebody who's not in control of the project, that the military is in control of the project, and that is just total falsehood. He took care of people, he knew their needs, he would meet them on the street and greet them by their first name. He was just exactly the right person for leadership at that time um, in history, and he was very beloved in this community. And he absolutely was scientifically in charge of the project. And what about that competition between the two different bomb designs that drives so much of the narrative? The central element of the show was this battle between the Thin Man and the implosion groups, and, and that didn't happen at all. Willette agrees, but offers a caveat. It was less of a rivalry than was portrayed in the series. So in that respect, it's less accurate. But it's more powerful storytelling, and there's always going to be that trade-off. Manhattan uses this give-and-take between storytelling and historical accuracy to get at the human side of science under extreme circumstances. And along the way, it does succeed in capturing some of the personal aspects of life at Los Alamos, says McClenahan. The producers and the writers told us from the very beginning that it was fiction during the Manhattan Project, and so when you appreciate it as that, as opposed to, you know, hoping that it would be a documentary and be historically accurate, then that sort of changes your outlook. There was certainly not near to the level of drama that they put in the show, but there was a lot of tension. Um, this was a military base, and it had civilians living on it, so it was a very odd mixture, and so there really was a lot of, of tension um, between those, those two aspects. And they really captured, you know, the, the idea of keeping secrets from your family, the, um, a lot of the emotional, relational things that went on up here. They really did a, a good job with that. And the rush to criticize and nitpick what Wallette calls nerd-gassing, made so easy by the internet, sometimes does a disservice to the people trying to get the details right while keeping the story on track. I think it's very impressive. 
um, when non-scientists who are Hollywood writers and English majors, as I once was, you know, can take this stuff and weave it into this powerful story and create something new and wonderful. Just having scientists at the center of a primetime TV drama at all, where they struggle to overcome obstacles and grapple with complicated relationships, can have far-reaching consequences. There's a tendency, I think, you know, among scientists to want the, their portrayal in film and television to be as heroes, to always be positive. But I find that people really respond to scientists as human beings. And I think Manhattan does that beautifully, because if you can see them as flawed human beings, then it's more likely that you can see yourself as that. Particularly if you have, you know, you're not sure that you're like some science genius, but if you see flawed human beings who make mistakes, who don't always figure it out right away, who just kind of hammer away at a problem till they get it, showing that process might make someone think, hey, I could do that. That person is like me. That person is not some otherworldly genius that I could never aspire to be. This is a job I could do. Manhattan's producers may not have set out to draw their viewers into science or even to teach them any basics of nuclear physics. They're in the entertainment business, after all. But by developing complex characters who also happen to be scientists, they've populated their fictional Los Alamos with potential role models, and they've done it in a way that challenges traditional stereotypes. I'm very optimistic about what I now see on film and television, and Manhattan is a wonderful example of that. You no longer see, you know, just an old white man in a lab coat with crazy hair. <laughs> you see men, you see women, you see blacks, you see Asians. Despite, or perhaps in part because of, its historical inaccuracies, the show has also sparked a wave of renewed interest in the real Los Alamos. According to McClenahan, the response has exceeded expectations. It started almost immediately. Uh, you know, people were visiting San Fe and they said, oh, Los Alamos is this close, and so they'd want to come up and, and visit. And uh, I, I teased our staff and volunteers a little bit that it used to be the most popular question in the museum was, where's the bathroom? Well, now the most popular question is Manhattan Real. And that kind of attention opens up all kinds of new possibilities for getting the true story of the Manhattan Project, all of the science, the real people of Los Alamos, and the complex political and social context of nuclear weapons out to the public. They're averaging 1.7 million viewers a week, and that is publicity that we could never pay for. You know, we're just a, a small organization, <laughs> and so, so that is terrific. And so now we're finding as a staff, this is giving us a great opportunity to teach people and to, um, you know, have this reach that we otherwise never would have been able to have. So what does it take to successfully combine science, history, and primetime TV? And does Manhattan clear the bar? Well, it's been renewed for a second season, so nuclear physics and Los Alamos will have another shot at the spotlight next year. Willette says she, for one, is excited about season two, and I know I'll be watching. How does the Los Alamos Historical Society feel about it? A little nervous, says McClenahan, but all the same. Like everybody, I think I've gotten caught up quite a bit in the, uh, the soap opera parts, and so I'd like to see how it plays out. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. You've been listening to the Physics Central podcast. Be sure to check out our website at www.physicscentral.com. I'm Meg Rosenberg. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>